Secret Friends Unite! Welcome to the Secret Friends Unite podcast, episode 388. This is your guide to the geek side. And before we begin, just a reminder, folks, you can subscribe to all our podcasts, uh, the Prime, the uh, Code 47, the Holocron Chronicles, and Co-op Mode on our network feed. And if you want to see us live in person, go to our YouTube channel for all of our podcasts where you can see our wonderful faces and maybe some prop comedy. So with that, I'm going to introduce myself. I'm Todd Oxtra, one of the hosts of the show, followed by Charlie Carden, my wonderful co-host. What's going on, y'all? I think we got it. We uh, we're a little backlogged on those YouTubes, but you'll probably get a big drop from Todd at some point in the near future, I would imagine. Because um, yeah, we go to all the trouble. I pick the finest shirt to wear. You have my beautiful background here, which I probably need to rotate a little bit. It's getting a little stale, but yeah, seeing is believing. Come check us out over on YouTube slash Secret Friends Unite. I think is the link, but you'll find it. Yes, and we are joined by a new secret friend this week, uh, Kaylin Tyrell. She's a journalist, and she's featured manager and professional nerd at theilluminerdy.com and at theilluminerdy on Twitter. Kaylin, thanks for joining us. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about all the nerdy news. Yes, yes. Awesome. Fantastic. So we already warned you, but we're going to ask you for your geek origin story. So this will let people know a little bit more about you and how you became the nerd you are today. Awesome. Um, so probably what I really started with was Disney and Star Wars. And I got started with Star Wars kind of in a weirder way. Uh, my uncle gave me his old action figures. And so I actually started with Star Wars through the action figures that were like the old school and the Darth Vader helmet carrying case. And then when I was playing with those all the time, then he showed me the Star Wars movies and it kind of <laughs> got the ball rolling from there. And then right. I went to Columbia College, Chicago and saw a uh, talk with a director who was directing an episode of Arrow at the time, and she was talking about the show, and it seemed very interesting. And I think I binged the first two seasons immediately, and oh, kind of nice. from there, fully was just invested. And then when I started working for Illuminati, it was I was gone. I was down the rabbit right. hole, no coming back. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's phenomenal. Yeah, it's great to you know Charlie went to well, he was a journalist for a time, so it's great to see people engaging in journalism versus being scared away. And it's awesome right. you get to write about stuff you love. No doubt about it. Cool. Yeah. So, well, well I was going to say we we also then make you give judgment on a cover that is the same number of the episode <laughs> we are making today. So we have Adventure Comics number three eighty eight. Uh, Supergirl is starring in this. Apparently, I guess she got to be the lead in this comic for some time. But it's called The Romance Machine. We've got Supergirl getting ready, saying, oh, he doesn't dream his date. Linda Danvers is Supergirl. And the man on the other side wearing a wonderful dickied suit says, she doesn't dream I'm a computer programmed by Berniak to break her heart. Oh, no. That's rough. And so, Todd, we have, we have, uh, we have dropped it January 1970. So this was, uh, this was kind of pre-woman's lib uh, and a little bit more um, – you know, kind of Reed Richards and Sue Storm and, oh, she's just a woman, so she can't, burp, 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 burp. oh my, this is, this is bad. This is bad. So a, a, a heartbreaking robot programmed by Brainiac. I mean, why we didn't see this in an episode of the modern Supergirl series on CW, <laughs> I have no idea. Because this is like the Himbot versus the Fembot. This is the, this is, this is stop drilling you struck oil. This is magnificent. Yeah, Kaylin, so when you look at this title, is this like a comic I would like, yeah, I want to read this? Or you're like, what were they thinking? Um, a little more what were they thinking. I mean, the art looks cool. <laughs> but yeah, the actual context of it is not great. I would not be picking this up. Oh, my God. Didn't Todd, age we, well, yes. If we, if we get lucky, maybe this will come up in our We Have to Read Our Covers segment, uh, which will be sometime this fall, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's that's yeah. We we essentially have to go back and read a few of these by random number generator, Caitlin. So nice. we're we're only doing this to punish ourselves, apparently. Right, <laughs> exactly. We we only have ourselves to blame. And speaking of things we only have ourselves to blame for, uh, that would probably stack up with our ongoing relationship with our senior news correspondent. We're talking about Madam Web down at the corner of Hollywood and Vine with the latest scoops. So let's go see what's going on. Now it's time for Madam Webb's rumors and news. Take it away, boys. Thank you, Madam Webb. Um, Caitlin, are you hiring for 
uh, journalists that are over the age of 125. Because if you are, we've got a candidate. Madam Webb is waiting. I think technically we're not allowed to have an age limit, so send her resume, I guess. <laughs> right, got to keep it fair. <laughs> yeah, she'll she'll work on her uh, select what is IBM Selectric. She's she's got it. She needs a new ribbon to replace that, and then she can type it up and and Great. send it out via snail mail. Oh my goodness, yes, that will be the best. All right, so what do we got up first here? Yeah, so Caitlin, you probably are getting inundated with these, these stories in regards to Warner brothers discovery. The, we had their big um, earnings call and kind of their head of uh, the, the, the new network, the, the, the vice president uh, or president um, basically is putting out there that they're considering shaking up everything with DC, a new 10 year plan They even called out Marvel and Kevin Feige saying, yeah, we want to basically duplicate what they did. Uh, they're not having certain things come on HBO max now that were already done with, uh, we had uh, Batgirl and Scoob oh, man. and oh, they are also, yeah, they're also removing content that's already out there. Like uh, I think it was the witches remake with um, ha- Anne Hathaway. They're removing that. And I'm not, I'm not sure why, but um, based on all of this, I mean, what's your take on, where this is all going. Um, honestly, I'm not surprised because a Warner brothers in DC, every time they have a plan, it kind of has blown up and they've had to come up with a new one. And then the fact that it had the merger with discovery as kind of the catalyst for everything again, is not a shock that they decided they need to shake things up because they have to prove that they are profitable. So the Batgirl news I found, and the Scoob news was very disappointing and annoying. And I, when everyone was freaking out, I understood it because yeah. from a branding and PR perspective, it's a bad choice in my opinion. The problem is from a purely financial stance, it sort of can make sense because mm-hmm. if you think about it, the marketing cost is going to equal about the same as the movie itself. True, and true. they're going to get the tax write-off from the movie without putting it out. So realistically, they're not putting more money into this. But at the same time, you just cancel the movie with like an Afro-Latina lead superhero. So, yeah. and you're it's, a, ke- it's a big sting. <laughs> well, especially since, as far as we're aware, they're keeping the one that has uh, Ezra Miller, who's kind of on the run from the cops. <laughs> I have no yeah. idea how they're going to market that. Like, you truly. Hold that, uh, holding those right up to each other. Yeah, you could be like, well, there's a lot of hope and excitement around Batgirl, but let's let's shit can that and let's take Johnny McCrazy Pants and let, let's let prop that up and see how that works out. Oh, my God. So it yeah. is a PR, PR shitstorm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because the directors of Batgirl, uh, I believe, were behind some of or behind all of Miss Marvel. So and that was received pretty well. So apparently Disney's already reached out to the directors again, I think also to Batgirl, the, the actress. And the only thing I know of or that I've heard rumblings that peop- some people that have seen the movie or they've seen a screener, I don't know where it's at. It's done. But the feedback was it's not good. And they felt like yeah. it would damage the reputation of like, if they want to do something with Batgirl, like we know with Marvel within humans that kind of essentially killed the inhuman. So I don't know. They said it wasn't good enough to be a movie and it was too expensive to be a TV series. So, or TV release. So I'm like, yeah, to your point, Caitlin, I think it's all about profit and discovery plus mm-hmm. discovery. Mm-hmm. Their networks are very profitable, but the guy behind it is not familiar with like scripted content. They're always like the reality shows, the cooking. So I, it feels like, this could go horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, time. I I don't know. Like, I truly with The Flash, because I've been talking to some friends, I don't know how you have a press tour for that. I, right. I just don't. And no cause even, right. even Michael Keaton, he's going to get the question about Batgirl getting canceled because he was in that. So right, no yeah. matter what, it's going to come up. And then I've heard kind of, like, I've heard that it wasn't good. I've heard that it felt very CW pilot-y. I've heard, like, it... You know, so I think probably what happened was the story felt kind of smaller than an event, probably Mm. still a solid origin story, but smaller than an event. And then they probably didn't put enough money into the special effects for it to feel like an actual big budget movie, which if you're going to put it on HBO Max kind of makes sense. So it's very weird. And then, yeah, I just with the 10 year plan thing, it's like, that's great. If you're actually going to do it for 10 years, because the problem with DC was the Snyderverse was supposed to be their answer to the MCU. But 
they rushed it. You don't have like Justice League isn't supposed to show up in like the third movie. That's an insane thought. So mm-hmm. they have to actually build to Justice League, JLA, JLA, whatever they're doing. Because in my opinion, I wouldn't be surprised if they had a couple plans on the table and they're going to wait and see which movies do well. Because I'm going to be honest, I think if Black Adam is like a huge hit, they're going to be like, cool, that's the direction we're going. Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah. how could they not? And again, that's smarts, right? You're going to you're going to kind of make hay where the sun shines, you know, so they're not going to just say, no, we got the 10 year plan. So, erp. yeah, it's just it's going to it's follow the money, you know, or like it, if you have a cat and it's the follow the laser pointer. That's <laughs> basically the methodology. So anyway, Todd, what, what, what say you? I think that you make a great point about the, the rushed Snyderverse. And you're absolutely right, because you think about it, it's like it'd be like, oh, Iron Man, then was it 2018 Hulk? Oh, and now no, the Avengers. Yeah. And we're introducing yeah, right. Captain America, Black Widow, Hawkeye right. in one movie. Right. And it's like, that right. sounds horrible. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was it was really lightning in a bottle, the phase one of the MCU. Because, yeah, it was, it was this nice build. It wasn't too much. You told different kinds of stories in different eras and different locations. And then it well, all really merged up into one solid bit. And you it have was, to it was, about it, though. Because it didn't come out of nowhere. Kevin Feige had obviously been planning this for a while because he did work on Marvel movies long before the MCU. He worked on Fox X-Men. He worked on the Sony Spider-Man stuff. So he knew all of this going in. Whereas DC, it was just like, oh, no, we have to do that too now. Okay, um, here. And and pick a guy. Uh, You, you're in charge. Come here. You you, you know you. You come up. Yeah, it was just like – it was like – it was a dartboard, a dartboard, or basically a roulette wheel is basically how they were running things over there at Warner's when it came to yeah. DC. And Warner Brothers, because they've changed hands so many times. I mean, they went to AT and T. Now they're at Discovery. AT and T didn't want to be in the content business, and it was a bad yeah. decision. And they haven't had a consistent person on DC. And because of that, if you don't have that, and you're just like, I'll pick and choose the projects and the directors, and then there's really no cohesive like form. I heard like in Batgirl, even they said um, when they were filming that, like, oh yeah, Michael Keaton's going to be in this. Why? Yeah. Uh, how? Oh, don't worry, we got a plan. And like, and they're not telling their directors. It's like, oh, it's gonna, it's wow. going to be terrific. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh yeah. no. Oh well. Oh well. Uh, that makes us pivot to the next story, which is, I think, your to your point, Kalen. What works in building on that? The Joker surprisingly worked. Yeah. Right. Despite, very, yeah. very surprisingly. Yeah. Except, I mean, is it a surprise? Because honestly, if DC wanted to kind of hit their own niche and surpass Marvel, focus on the villains because you're like, my biggest issue with Marvel is stop killing your villains after one movie. Todd says that again. Yeah, right. Right? The villains are interesting. So if DC leans into the villains and they also lean into their female characters, they can hit a niche that Marvel doesn't. Right. Good point. As well. So Joker doing well isn't a shock to me. A, he's probably one of the most, if not the most popular, like villain of comics. True. And B, it was it it managed to hit a weird niche of like art film and um, creepy dude that kind of worked. Art film. Yeah, it was an R-rated movie. An R-rated movie. You know, it's probably the equivalent to to, to Deadpool in regards to an R-rated like genre film that was exceedingly huge because you didn't capture like the kids going to it, and it just hit a lot of people. To your point, art house. Some people saw it just because of you know the director and what they were going for. Some people saw it because of the director, the Joker connection. Um, But because the fact that it worked. And they're going in, and the, I think this is clearly interesting, that they're making a, uh, a sequel, which a lot of people said they should never do it. It's called, uh, I'm going to, I'm not a French speaker, so if someone is, correct me. Fa, 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 a Close enough. Mm-hmm. Works for me. Yeah. Hit us up, on, hit us up okay. on Twitter and let us know. <laughs> yes. There we go. Our French speakers, please. Um, but this uh, movie is essentially going to be a musical, and Lady Gaga is going to be our Harley Quinn. I, Lady Gaga. I don't have an issue with Lady Gaga. She has done pretty well in some of the stuff she's been in. Why is this a musical? I'm so confused. Just because <laughs> is it just because she's a she's a pop star? I mean, d- d- are they building it around her and could that be a hinge point? Could that make the whole thing fall apart? I, and how do you keep it going for 2 hours, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. 
I'm assuming it's him in Arkham because I'm assuming we're going to actually do the Joker Harley Quinn uh, origin at this point, which I have mixed feelings about just because I like where we're at with Harley Quinn now where Mm -hmm. the character. Um, But I'm assuming it's going to be like it's that whole thing of like he's drawing her into the madness. So I'm guessing the musical numbers are tied to that. I'm hoping I'm hoping there's context that it's not just like, well, it's a musical now. Let's go. I'm singing about my shoes. You can turn into Randy Newman. Watch out. Yeah, I think the pivot could be the fact is we really did Joker ended and spoilers. We don't know if that truly actually happened or not. If it was the Joker's mind and, you know, cause, or right. did it really, it did happen. And he has a cult following now. And part of this is maybe the Joker's created his own reality where everything's a musical. We've seen that where like the, like someone has a brain tumor, like the scrubs episode where the one had the brain tumor and it became a musical because she heard right. everyone singing. I could see them pivot with that. And I could also see like, how does, is the Joker going under treatment? Like we've seen it before where, Harleen Quinzel was a mental, you know, are we going to get that again? Or can we just say, I think enough people know her, her origin story and we don't have to re you know, take right. a valuable time to do that and fill in the pieces. Right. Yeah. I know that too. Yeah. I think it depends on how they deliver it because the other option is to have the musical numbers instead of being in his head, they're in hers. Because if they're in hers, then you can explore. Because we we all we explore her perspective, sort of, but it's more tied to him. I think it'd be interesting to explore this from her perspective going in, and then we see her descent into madness and how he caused it. Like that's a way I would be kind of interested in that. Because if it's truly just going to be we're watching the origin again, then yeah, I'm I'm kind of like why I don't need to. I'm good. And they, she announced it with the song Cheek to Cheek, which is an old Ginger Rogers Fred Astaire. So this could lean into they're going for a classic, like, romantic musical. And she views her as the, they're like the romantic leads of that. So to your point, it, it could go anywhere. And Todd Phillips, I don't think he's made a musical before. So. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, it's a choice. <laughs> <laughs> It is a choice. That's accurate. Oh my yeah. goodness! So oh, when yes. uh, when we're seeing this, in the, did it say twenty twenty four? Okay, yeah. so this, yeah, there's a it, it's a develop developing developing story, and it's it's uh, as we're moving into this next story, I had to look because I'm like, I know this is on the slate, and it says twenty twenty two, so I'm going to have to make some some tweaks to our schedule over in Holocron. But Todd, this is for you. Star Wars leaking changes everything we know about Yoda. Going into the Tales of the Jedi, which again it says is we're gonna see before the end of the year, which I think is interesting. But Todd, your favorite throwaway character from the Phantom Menace featured in the series, tell me all about it. Well, apparently, Tales of the Jedi, this is going to be their new animated series, which uh, takes place during that prequel era and is focusing on uh, the Jedi slash Sith. We're gonna have um, Ahsoka be a focus, uh, Count Dooku, and apparently, out of this, Charlie, to your point. One of my favorite joke characters is Yaddle. Um, I'm like, why did they make this Yaddle show up and then they don't do anything with it? It's so very odd because all those other characters, I think, got an episode of something. But Yaddle's like, no, we're going to show her, keep her and put her in a lockbox. So, yeah. um, and, and, and she was, just, uh, she was a, a puppet with no lines because they show a picture of her in this in this article. She's just kind of sitting there looking with her mouth hanging like, you know, it just it's not even a great picture. <laughs> Oh yeah. my god. Uh, and apparently she does not share Yoda's speech impediment. Like it's Yoda's thing. He owns that. None of the other Yoda people, Yoda Yoda lings, I don't even know what they're called. I don't think you're they have a species they were they were, they were the, 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 the and again this was punctuated uh it, it kind of discredited in Rogue One but it was the the wills. They were potentially the wills was the name of the species, but then that was changed. That was the temple in Rogue One and Jedi. They got blown up. It's something. I don't know. Go to Wikipedia or Wikipedia. You'll figure it out. But um, but yeah. So and now, is, like you said, it's going to be an animated series. We're getting a little bit later this year, apparently. Um, so how does this all tie back to Grogu? Do the three of them have to be? I mean, it's Star Wars. The three of them have to be related, right? I mean, because Yoda and Yaddle knew each other. Well, they have to be it's a couple. True. And maybe Grogu actually is Baby Yoda. Are they gonna Are they gonna give him a flip a flop? Because it was never said that he wasn't. Oh God! Son of, son of Yoda. Son of yeah. Yoda. 
Oh God! Yeah, I'm with you. I hope not, because yeah, let's let's try to make the the Star Wars series less incestuous. Can we do that? That not everybody is related to everybody and knows everybody and what? And Star Wars also doesn't do sex and romance well at all. So let's try to avoid that as much as possible. But yeah, Todd, you don't want to see two. You don't want to see two puppets kiss, Charlie. I don't know, Caitlin. Maybe is that somebody's thing? They like puppet stuff. I don't know. Oh my I don't know. God. Do you have a hot Yoda yaddle take, Caitlin? I can't get over the fact that she doesn't talk like Yoda. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. What? What's his, what's his, Does that, that mean a, Yoda just decided to talk like that one day? Is he just doing it to screw? There's the one bit in, in Seth Green's Robot Chicken where they're they're spoofing the landing of the of, of the Republic craft in the arena. You know, it, it, when the Clone Wars started at the end of Episode Two, and the the clone says, "Hey, you know, we're in a battle situation where." Sp- you know, c- clear, concise communication is super important. Could you just kind of knock it off with the backwards talking? And Yoda's like, thought of that. I did not. <laughs> so you're right. Is the whole thing, just, is he just doing shtick? You know, I just, I, this will clear up it's, a lot of questions. It's like when someone like just out of the blue starts having an accent. Like, yeah. why does, why is, why is Madonna sound British now? I don't understand. It's Madonna being right. dominant. Or my favorite thing, it's like those people back in like the 90s, 2000s, they used to speak in the first person, like 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 a lot of athletes, like, oh, uh, you know, Todd Oxtra doesn't do this. I'm like, why is he talking about himself in the first person? I'm like, <laughs> Bob Dole. Like, like yes. Bob Dole. <laughs> exactly. So let's bring <laughs> that back uh, from the, the old days because everybody loved that. Um, yeah, so – I'm excited to see how Yaddle's portrayed and how she actually sounds. So we'll see if um, Yoda gets called out for just being an egomaniac. Yeah, you know, just, just, just just be, just being a poser. Yoda poser. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And, and Caitlin, the last story is yours. So um, I definitely want you to, to take it and let us know, uh, you know what you're thinking about this. Yeah, um, so Giancarlo Esposito from Breaking Bad and The Mandalorian on all of the amazing stuff he does uh, was at a convention. Uh, I believe it was Countdown City. Uh, no, it, yeah, so it was a, uh, he was in a convention and he was asked if he was going to be doing anything with Marvel, I believe. So he told them that he has not worked for Marvel yet, but he has been in the room with them and talked with them and there's been talk of magneto dr reed dr doom and professor x and when asked which was his favorite choice he actually picked professor x which is an interesting choice because i probably actually would have gone with magneto for him but yeah i i'm not surprised i think i mean honestly i kind of expect marvel to grab every actor at this point because they can right (laughs) Um, indeed yeah, and like he's worked with Disney before, doing Star Wars, so it's not a shock to me. But I think he's a very, very good choice, and I think he would be a really interesting character for when the mutant or actor for when the mutants do come into play with Marvel because they've been setting it up, and we all know it's coming. Um, but I'm, yeah, I think Professor X is an interesting, interesting choice for him. I don't necessarily know if that would be the way that Marvel would go. I. Like I said, I think he works really well as Magneto just because he can play the villain so well while still having a sympathetic aspect to him. But what do you guys think? What would you want to see him as? I mean, you know, and again, this is the X, the X-Men piece is more Todd's arena. But I think I, too, would struggle seeing him in a heroic role because I'm not really picturing off the top of my head. Tell me if I'm wrong when he's he's played a heroic role. He's always villainy is what he does. Unless I I just have a total blank space in my brain when he was a great hero at some point, but he's always been this heavy bad guy because he's so cool and calm and calculating. Um, I can't really necessarily see him as anything else. I think Dr. Doom would be my choice, but it's twofold because you don't, Dr. Doom is behind the sun. He's the man in the iron mask. He's very expressionless. Um, And so that, in, in a way would reduce him to a, a voice acting role, which could be good, could be bad. Um, but Dr. Doom is so pivotal. I feel like he's going to be the next big thing um, in the MCU because we've not, we've obviously not had him yet. He's to be introduced. So I'm really torn. Obviously as Magneto, he would tear it up and that's a great heritage role where we've had great actors portraying him to date. Um 
So my long answer is I don't know, but not Professor X. My long answer is I don't know between the two villainous roles. That's me. In other words, I don't know. Like when Homer yes. explains what a Muppet yes. is to Bart. It's not a mop and it's not a puppet, but man. Uh, so to answer your question, I don't know. Yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> classic. Um, yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're I mean, and I was thinking about this. I've been watching, trying to catch up on Harley Quinn, the animated series. He plays the voice of Lex Luthor, too. I'm like, who is that? Right. It's Gene. Right. I'm like, so he's probably thinking, like, I am tired of play, being typecast as the villain. I do it well. I get it, guys. Mm. But, you know, I want to have a romantic comedy eventually. I want to be, you know, the, the dad that, you know, everybody roots for. But if he can't get that, I mean, he would be fantastic at any of these roles. But, yeah, I think that would be a cool pivot. Um, because if you think about the X-Men, it's about the, you know, it had akin to the, like, the civil rights movement. And to pivot from white old men to african-american black black actors would be it would make a lot of sense and i would appreciate it and you know i mean i'm assuming he's okay with shaving his head or wears a bald cap whatever um or maybe he doesn't i don't know but I, i'd be very cool with this uh any of these roles to your point um although we've seen with the mandalorian you know eventually dr doom takes his helmet off right and he's scarred right charlie so they could do that you know yeah okay. yeah but but it's not a you know and again marvel the MCU in particular works really hard making these mass characters find reasons not to be mass. So you see Chris Evans always had the helmet off. Uh, Tom Holland would always have his mask off for whatever reason. So, you know, that because, again, you've got, you know, you've got an, an actor and you want to see their face. And so, yeah, they would find some way to make that happen as well. And I think they did that in the Fantastic Four, the early, the early one from the early aughts with Julian McMahon. But it was an origin story. So at the end, he was masked and whatever it is. So I don't know. I don't know, but yeah, I guess in the final analysis, you know, him being unmasked, Magneto would be the choice for me. Nice. Very good. Very good. Okay. Well, that is it for the news. Madam Webb, thank you for bringing all these good scoops. Uh, thank you, Caitlin, for your ad. And we are now going to move over to one of our favorite destinations to get our geek on and our drink on. And that's the Geek Easy. Talk nerdy to me. Talk nerdy to me. We're sitting in the Geek Easy, drinks are poured, and we are going to get our nerd on. So, Caitlin, uh, you know, Charlie and I and you, I think we've all seen several of the same things, but um, so we'll obviously all pivot on those. But uh, Harley Quinn, tell us what you're, where you're at and how you're enjoying it. I love Harley Quinn. It's one of those shows that is just perfect because of how ridiculous and crazy it is. I'm uh, caught up to where they are, which is uh, having finished episode four of season three. I was so excited when the show was coming back because it's been two years before. So, it's so crazy. Wow. Those right? Big um, and then so it premiered with the first three episodes, then the fourth. And it's as crazy as you want it to be. You have like Harley and Ivy as a couple. You have them up to craziness with Clayface and King Shark and all of that. And then one of my favorites in the show, Bane, who has like an arc this season, which is so <laughs> oh, weird. Really good. So good. Oh my goodness. That's good. Yeah. Oh my God. And that's Alan Tudyk is Bane on that show, isn't he? <laughs> I think so. Clayface, right? Is it Clayface? Oh, he's no, Clayface. You're right. Yeah, he's Clayface. I just, I love this Bane so much. Like, yeah. I will never forget one of the early episodes where he does a magic trick, like a card trick. And he's like, is this your card? And Harley's like, no. And he's like, damn it. Like, it's just the funniest nonsense because you're just like, what are you doing, dude? Come on. Or he wants to get revenge on the, with the Starbucks <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, barista that calls him Bang. And then you find it out it's actually somebody else writing Bang. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God! Was it was it was it his, was it him in this early episode where he's in the, he's in the um, he's in the supervillain supply store buying bombs and he either the credit card machine wouldn't work. I'm trying to. It was just yeah. yeah it's just they're just punctuated. That's what. I, and again, I, I've watched two of the four of the episodes of the current season and trying to get April to watch with me as well because I don't know that she watched it with me. The the my wife who I'm talking about is not always great about zany stuff but i find the show so very enduring I, I love it so yeah i got i got to get back to it but yeah that first episode where they're they're finally they're together and they're but they're watching kind of the porn parody of their wedding oh my god classy good stuff so anyway i also i just love that 
it really shows how different Harley and Ivy are because Harley is like this chaotic need for just everything to be going on and going wrong so she can be doing stuff where Ivy is super happy to be doing like science stuff with her plants. Mm-hmm. And even with that, it still works. Like they're kind of, it, it shows them getting their footing in the relationship without it causing like huge, crazy drama. And I really appreciated that the show writers were like, they're not going to break up. That's not a storyline we're doing. So I'm okay. very happy. It's like the Paul Abdul classic, Opposites Attract with MC Scat. Oh my God. MC Scat Cat. You probably have no idea what we're talking about. It's old man talk right here. So just just, just Google it later. Um, And I've only watched one of the first episodes of Sandman. So where are you at? And I know, Charlie, you watched as well. Yeah. Uh, I watched the first five. I have. Oh, there's five out? Oh, that's right. The whole thing. It's Netflix. Yeah, yeah, they drop them. Yeah. Which, I don't know. I don't, I don't like that as much anymore. I liked it like yeah. when it was a new thing. Now I'm just like, I don't have time to watch all of this in a day. Right. Right. And you're right. And the issue, as we've talked about on the show a lot, is that once it's all, when the shotgun blasted out, it's, it's, it dissipates and then it's forgotten. There, yep. there's, no ongo- there's no ongoing buzz. So that's kind of, it's, it's really not a, a good thing. It's a game changer that Netflix doesn't seem to have caught up with. Yeah. I feel like the only Netflix show that has had like an ongoing, buzz was um stranger things and that had more to do with tiktok than netflix right 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 yeah so sandman uh i was a big fan of the comic book charlie i don't think you ever read the comic book caitlin mm-hmm. what's your history with the, with the with the property uh i'm a really big fan of neil gaiman uh i like i loved good omens i read the book before uh watching it and then with sandman i haven't been able to read the comic i have them all on my computer just have not gotten to them which is very annoying um but i remember dc fandom did like a retrospective on it i think the first year yeah, because the second year was kind of weird. Um, so I remember watching that and was immediately just like, this is the coolest, weirdest, surrealist thing ever, and I want to watch it. And so that is what drew me in. And then I also am a, re- <clears throat> a really big fan of Jenna Coleman, <clears throat> who plays uh, Joanna Constantine in this. So I was immediately like, yeah, I'll watch. She was great in Doctor Who. I'm definitely going to watch this show if she's in it. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, the, the, I have hazy memories like it's been a long time since i read the sandman but i i told you charlie i told you and I, i've heard the feedback is this is a slow burn the comic is a slow burn it's basically yeah. world building it's taking its time it's a little vague at times and um so you're five episodes in caitlin and charlie you're only one in um yeah. so where do you feel like because i've heard it does pick up by like the middle of the season do you feel like it's taking a turn so what I think is interesting is it feels like, to me at least, it feels like the first season should have either been only like five episodes or they should have spread it out because he kind mm. of finished his, his main quest that he start, that gets set up in episode one and episode five. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I know there's five more episodes and I kind of know what happens in them, but I'm like, it, and they like sort of set it up in the fifth one, but like his whole quest is got to get his stuff back and he did that. So why is there still more? So it's like, uh, I've mentioned this once. It's like the, the classic, uh, Fox thriller 24 with Kiefer Sutherland. That show was on for nine seasons and it was, there was always an a plot, which ran the first half and then they turned it on its ear. And then the, the back half was something else. And, with that show being on for nine seasons, it got incredibly tedious. Um, yeah. But what you say kind of poses a question is maybe the direction of the show with the slow burn that Todd said, you've said you've heard about and, and, and overall, do, it, does the Netflix model really speak to that? It'd be like, Oh, it's only 10 episodes and it's all here. So maybe I'll just knock it all out and it'll feel like a movie that doesn't pick up until like halfway through. Does that does that format serve that or does it does it hold it back? Is it scaring people off? Well, I think I think it makes sense to drop more than one episode because just the pilot is if you're not familiar with this at all, it's kind mm-hmm. of confusing just because mm-hmm. it, it does sit in that like he's been captured and he was captured for like a century or something. So you sit in that for long enough that I it would make sense to drop like two episodes if you're going to do it weekly. Uh, the thing I'm really curious about with the back half, because I've like seen reviews and everything and a lot of people didn't like it as much. So <clears throat> I think 
I don't know. I think Netflix sort of makes sense for this just because I feel like it wouldn't go on HBO Max at this point um, because it is DC and all of that weird craziness. Uh, So I'm not sure. Because the other thing, too, is these episodes are so they follow that strangeness that is the comics of it's connected but not. Like, it has this very world-building disconnect where it's, like, you have him doing stuff. But, like, the Constantine episode, yeah, he's a major part of that. And he's the motivation behind it. But it also hugely focuses on that character. And so I think it works. But I think if they're going to do a second season, they either need it to be more focused where they're doing that. And maybe they throw in extra episodes. Like, with Mythic Quest, we'll do kind of a random episode that is like a past thing but then they get back to the story like having it more like that versus you get done with the story and then you sort of connect it to the next story and then go into the back half because that just it it feels weird and it feels a little less of the kind of meandering surreal I would expect from this and a little more like you realize you didn't have enough plot for a full season yeah I've heard they're like trying to capture each trade paperback, which is essentially a chapter of the Book of Sandman, which is 75 issues total. And yeah. uh, he he told the story he wanted to tell, but I will tell you, it, it takes on different tangents, and it's not for someone who needs that type of standard storytelling. Yeah. So it may be harder to pull off this, and that's what they said. Mm. It's like certain things probably just <clears throat> couldn't be captured. And, and it, someone made a good point, Charlie. I think you did about the... Um, Someone mentioned, like, you can tell someone who used to direct TV, like traditional TV, they focused on the individual episodes as kind of being standalone, versus yeah. now a lot of these directors are saying, I'm making a 10-hour movie. Right. That's, I, that's just one of my biggest problems with, like, the Marvel stuff on Disney+, Plus is watching right. those and, like, none of you understand television, because... Right. Right, and the, and those all come out week by week, which is if yeah, where you know if if you're not hooked, if you're not invested, if you're just like yeah, I'll drop in on this. What the hell's going on? If you're just the uninitiated, so yeah, Sandman, it feels sort of like in between. Like I feel like they understand television and what Netflix does with television, but it does also to a degree feel like every episode could be a standalone, which kind of makes sense for the show, but. I don't know. I really enjoy the first, uh, like, four, three, four episodes. I think the fifth is very cool, very weird. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's really, it's an interesting show because it's not what I think most people, unless you know the comics or know Neil Gaiman, you're going to go into this like, oh, it's a comic book show. Right. That's and not it, what this and is. And it ain't. Yeah. So, yeah, it could yeah. be. Well, interesting to see how, by the metrics how Netflix evaluates if something is success or not, kind of what, what comes up out of it. So, well, cool. All right. My turn, Todd, I went and saw the last film <laughs> in our summer movie challenge that we're like, Ooh, I hope this makes some good money. Um, this a bullet train, which I kept calling money train on our show, which was a <laughs> 1990, which was a 1995 heist film starring the uh, stars of white men can't jump. Uh, but, right. uh, Woody Harrelson and uh, Wesley Snipes. Let's Did they bring back shows. what's her name too? Um, Rosie, 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 Rosie Perez. I, in that film, I don't know because I haven't seen it. Uh, but anyway, that would be awesome. awesome. They went from playing basketball to ro- robbing a, a train. I, I, you know what? I, I, I want to see it. I want to see if you can get all three of them interested. But anyway, this was a movie, and Todd, help me out here. There's some real famous directors in this guy Richie or something like that. Who directed this movie? You always know. This you know, I, I don't know. It's not. It's not a guy Richie, but apparently he's probably probably trying to ape his style. Yeah, um, so finger, finger the director is David Leach. David Leach, who directed. Let me just look up his Wikipedia. Is is he, what he did? See, Caitlin, he does. He does all the hard work here. I'm just the idiot, which I just. It, it's it's <laughs> you know. He I love that you're the one that a, saw the movie oh. and you're like, I don't know who directed it. Yeah. He directed Deadpool. Two, he directed Deadpool two, Atomic okay. Blonde, okay. Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, yeah, so he's had some big, big successes. You know that all clicks with basically this movie was just kind of a mess of all things like that. Um, couldn't really figure out its tone. Um, you know. It, 
Brad Pitt is a guy who he does snatch and grabs. He's, you know, he's he's a, a fixer, a made man, yet he's, you know, kung fu superstar. Um, you've got Michael Shannon is the one big villain in this, but you've also got the uh, the black guy who was, I think, Fastos in Eternals. And then you've got his Ooh. his his brother slash partner is actually Aaron Taylor Johnson, who I had I couldn't see past mustache. I had to look it up. Was the MCU's Quicksilver? Uh, so you, boy, you got a lot of Marvel talent kind of floating around. In Sandy this, Bullock this is in this too, right? And it, well, that you just gave away the big spoiler at the end. Yeah, you she's, don't see her. Until well, the she's end. in she's in the she's in the trailer that I saw. No, no, yeah, I yeah. don't think. Yeah, she's well, talking to him. Yeah, you get you don't see her until the end, but it's it's funny you get a crossover of the characters from lost city because Channing Tatum has, oh, that's came right. sorry. So, and because the three of them were pivotal and Brad Pitt just had a cameo in that movie. This movie was just, it was just kind of all over the place. I don't, yeah. I don't feel like it could, it didn't really define its own tone. It didn't stick with it. It was about a half hour too long. There was a lot of just weirdness in it. And it just, it just didn't really click. That's why I was thinking, oh, maybe this is a this is the, the director, this is his niche or whatever it is. I didn't, I, 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 I did, I did, I, you know, what's funny is when you buy a ticket at our theater, it shows you the, on your phone and it shows you when it begins and when it ends. It's like the sense at seven oh five, and I'm looking at my watch six thirty one. Isn't this movie over yet? That's why I say I feel like it was it was a half hour too long. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's it, I think it's 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 opening weekend this weekend. It's supposed to do about thirty million. I don't know. I it, I could I could glance at our because I I could glance at our bracket and I think it probably puts it on pace to maybe do what it was projected, but I, I wouldn't call it must see. Todd, you were gonna see it and didn't end up going to see it. It sounds like yeah, my schedule is a cut too erratic, so I'll probably see it on Tuesday for five bucks. So because yeah. it looks like dumb fun, it looks like it's just an entertaining film, and it's True. no more than that. It was, but and I'll tell you the um, what, what cracked me up. It was the interaction between um, the you know the, the two brothers, uh, the, the two MCU guys. Is that uh, a, uh, a comparison device for that was characters from Thomas the Tank Engine, which was something that was big for all three of my kids growing up. So I'm like very familiar with. Oh, I think you're a diesel. You're like a Gordon. You're like a Thomas. It was just it was that part of it made me chuckle. But again, it was really kind of out of. There was just. Nothing consistent about this at all. It was very bizarre-nidge is how I would describe it. Well, here, here is, here's my question. Is the action good? Yes. Yes, the action okay. is good. So you're right. This, that if, makes if, sense to me based on his other credits. Because like Atomic Blonde, gotcha. great action. Right. True. Um, and this was something I was talking with with John, who was our other, our other secret friend uh, that we got all this started with, is that all th- this movie, it, it seemed like the trailer was absolutely everywhere all the time and all the best bits, all the best beats were in the trailer, which is I mm. always think spells disaster. Yeah, you got to leave you got to leave you got to leave something on the table or something off the table that you're like, you got to leave something this. in the train. Yeah. In the train, in the chamber. Oh my goodness! So, um, and secondly, did ever has everyone seen Prey over on Hulu slash Disney Plus in Canada? We were reminded. Has everybody seen oh, it? I did. Okay. No, but I'm totally good with spoilers. Oh, I, I don't even. I don't even wanna. Um, even though no, it's and you don't have to really in this. We don't have to spoil it because. Right. And, and uh, I'll be honest. Movie, my job is spoilers. I don't have a problem with it. I, I respect that, and I don't, you know. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to break the whole thing down. But yeah. um, so, can we tell you that Arnold Schwarzenegger shows up at the end of this? Oh. At, the, <laughs> at the very end of it, he pops through a portal with his arms out and grabs the predator and twists his neck. No, that doesn't happen. We're that going through the chopper. We're going, yeah, and then he and then he goes back through the portal. Um, but no, this this is a great example of of a movie, and in this case, obviously, it was on streaming that gives away just the right amount in the trailer. It just gives you the setting. It doesn't even show you the creature, but you know it's out there. So it creates really that proper amount of terror. But this is fascinating. It's set in in essentially the Comanche nation, the indigenous tribe in the year 1719. I looked it up. It's actually uh, in the information on if you look on IMDb or if you look on Wikipedia. It's actually Um, in there. Actually, there's one opening scene, Charlie. It says like the great, like Northern Great Plains, uh, and it does say the, the, the year too, which is okay. kind of nice. Well, you know, with me, I'm always looking down at the wrong moment. So I missed that, but yeah, I had to look up where, where the Comanche great plains were. The territory of the Comanche was from Northern Mexico up to Oklahoma. I mean, it was, it was yeah. massive. 
It's absolutely massive. Um, Actually, yeah, stretched out to Colorado too. Like, like yeah, correct. Uh, yeah, going and, north. Yeah, west. it's huge. It's a huge territory. Yeah, right. So this is all about uh, a female warrior who is, you know, obviously in the sense they're not, you know, she is in the shadow of her older brother. They're not really giving her a uh, chance to earn her chops, but she she's legit. You see a lot of early fighting scenes of her hunting and tracking, and that's all well and good until we see. What is essentially one of the predators drop out of a ship and he's doing his thing, uh, hunting and great predator redesign. He has this really cool bone helmet. Todd, you you said you have watched it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you watched the whole thing. This is just a really cool redesign. I mean, it's essentially it's the predator that you would expect, but uh, with a couple of really cool little tweaks to it. But I absolutely love this. Caused us to go back and watch the first two Predator movies, uh, which for me, they're both $5, by the way, on Voodoo. I went and bought them. So it's totally worth it. Though I think they're also on Hulu if you don't want to bother with it. Um, great installment to the franchise. The first one that I really enjoyed a lot since the first one, because the second one is with Danny Glover is really hokey. It's very, you know, set in 1997, the future, but it's like uh, not very futuristic. Um Totally awesome. And again, everybody in the world has Hulu. So I, I highly endorse this. It's awesome. It's a great uh, non-traditional take on really the Predator franchise, really proving that, hey, you know, the Predators have always been there um, and and have always been hunting and have always been relentless. So there is no, you know, nothing spared because she's a woman or because she's young. This Predator is going to all out to kill absolutely everybody because that's what it does. So it's awesome. Yeah. So I love it. Tons, yeah. of, ton, tons of great action. Yeah, I, I really love this. Uh, they they cast all uh, Native Americans. Um, there is a alternate dialogue track you can listen to that's mm-hmm, Comanche, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. You know, if you really want to support that, Dan Trachtenberg is the director. He did uh, the Cloverfield Lane movie as well. Um, right. So I think he gets. Uh, I mean, he goes back as original geek. He was on a show called Totally Rad Show, which we talked about. Caroline, Alex Albrecht, Louis Monk. It's a it's a big circle. So I followed him right. through his career, and he really is a geek's geek and he puts it into his filmmaking. Um, but what was great about this film, what you said, action was really great. Beautiful cinematography too. just captured the landscape. Uh, there's a scene where it's, the predator is tracking a wolf, try, or, 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 uh, a wolf trying to track down a, a, a bunny. Yeah. And that was a yeah. cool scene. I'm like, yeah. and I'm like, this is just wonderful. The attention to detail. And it just made me think it's like, this movie could have done very well at the box office in August totally when there's agree. nothing out. So it really right. makes me think, I'm like, why didn't they do that? But I guess they're all in on streaming or maybe they didn't make deals with the actors to put this out in the box office, which we're finding is a big part of this now that if, if they change the uh, contract or their terms, right. they have to renegotiate and they're like, yeah, oh, we're going to spend yeah. that much more money. Everything yeah. that happened with ScarJo and with Black Widow. Yeah. So, yeah. but um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I highly recommend it. It's great. Yeah, I, I would love to have seen this on big screen. I love how the predator just hunts everything. Yeah, he he you know he kills that wolf. He fights and kills a bear, uh, and then he's after and then he's after all. Yeah, that fight with the bear was nuts. I was just yeah, Caitlin, trust me. And then, that, see, and then that fight, and then that fight with Jesse the Body Ventura. Oh my god, I didn't see that coming at all. And then um, and then Darth Vader showed up. I mean, I just that I did not <laughs> see that coming. It was totally bizarre. So, so, Charlie, now you've committed to the Predator movies. Now you have to watch Alien vs. Predator 1, Alien vs. Oh. Predator 2, Predators, and then I, you all I, I've seen them all. I've seen them all. I, oh. I actually oh, okay. I actually enjoyed the Alien, the 2004 Alien vs. Predator, the first one. The Requiem, which came out a few years later, I did not. I thought that was pretty corny. Um, it, it, was, it was corny, but not in the way that made the first one great in its corniness, I will say. But, yeah, yeah, ugh, yeah. skip them all. Well, I'm going to wrap this up with a show. When you're putting together IKEA furniture, which I have been, you need something out of the background to entertain you. So I put on a show that people have said really good things about um, because the the makers of American Vandal um, makes a new show called Players. I think it's on Paramount Plus, and it's about the video game like competitive. And I've heard really good things. Like they said, it's funny. It's actually good. You don't have to know anything about video games to watch it, enjoy it, which is what you love. You know, it's like you know, but it may get people into like, oh, this is kind of cool. I didn't know about that. Well, their first project was American Vandal. And this is essentially like um, the these kids in high school are work for an AV club. And this vandalism occurs at their high school where somebody <laughs> spray paints 
penises on all of the teacher's vehicles. <laughs> and this basically becomes like a crime podcast investigation or like a movie <laughs> like Serial. And it's absolutely hilarious. It's very dry wit. You know, it's, it's almost like you think about those movies like, um, oh, uh, what is it? Uh, Best in Show, those type of movies. Where it's like, it's, it's very calm humor, but it's there if you find it and the characters make it what it is. And it's so funny because they're investigating it. They're going through all the pieces and it's just hilarious because they, it, they're going in on high school, the teachers, um, you know, the, the relationships. And as they track people down, trying to find the motives, it's very well done and it's funny. And I really, really enjoy it. Um, and, and it's just, if you're in big into like those podcasts where they do those type of things, they take all the tropes from it and they just go deep. And I can't recommend enough. It's on Netflix, American Vandal. It came out about three or four years ago. So check it out. Awesome. Good deal. Well, with that, uh, it's time. Todd, we didn't even get our good geek easy intro. I feel bad that I didn't do that. But anyway, it's time to leave this nasty little joint. Time to head over to the airport. That's right. Air Qantas has taken us to the land down under. The mutants are waiting for us in the Thunderdome for week two of Does It Hold Up? So let's go. Welcome to another edition of Thank you, Tina. We're sitting in the Thunderdome where the mutants have been gathered for a topic or game to be entertained. And this week, we're in week two of Does It Hold Up? Um, we are talking about The Goonies, which you can watch on HBO Max. A little bit of background about The Goonies. It was released in June 7th, 1985. Director was Richard Donner. Screenplay by Chris Columbus. Story by Steven Spielberg. Starring Sean Astin, Josh Brolin, Jeff Cohen, Corey Feldman, Carrie Green, Martha Plimpton, and Kay Juan Kwan. A uh, budget of $19 million made $125 million, distributed Damn. by Warner Brothers. Guess what else happened in June of 1985? I moved into this very house where I am right now. I live in my childhood home. Uh, my wife and I brought it from my mother several years ago when she moved out east. So that always resonates with me. I think Back to the Future came out right around the same time. So kind of the, probably the two... Two of the biggest films of that summer. And Commando, which is in your background, Todd. One That's of Arnie's true. classics. That's true. And if goodness. you're watching on YouTube, you'll see my background, which is all of the wonderful 80s. You'll see, oh you'll see Caitlin's wonderful background. I won't tell you what it is because you have to check it out. And we'll <laughs> go from there. Um, the interesting part about this, this was an Amblin <laughs> film. Um, and if you think about the people that were behind this, Richard Donner, Chris Columbus, Steven Spielberg, that is a murderer's row of just really heavy hitters of the time. I mean, Richard Donner behind Superman and, and other movies like that. Chris Columbus, I believe he directed, uh, you know, Gremlins and other movies like that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I think I got it right. But, I mean, these were these were the dream makers. These were the people that were like, you know, Steven Spielberg put together because he thought they could make really original and new ideas. So, we have right. the Goonies. And I'll just give you the premise. Old-fashioned yarn about a band of adventurous kids who take on the might of a property developing company which plans to destroy their home to build a country club when the children discover an old private pirate map in the attic they follow it to an underground cavern in search of lost treasure but come up against plenty of dangerous obstacles along the way i'm sorry i have to interject here they want to tear down houses to build a country club when in this day and age it's the exact opposite <laughs> they're shutting down those golf courses to basically build condos so that's even the, right from the start, the premise is like, huh? <laughs> it's the opposite of Caddyshack, Charlie, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 Bushwood, exactly. Yes, exactly. Oh, my gosh. All right. So um, and the, the whole premise of this podcast is does it hold up? So we either try to bring in people who have never seen something before and give their, their modern perspective, or they saw it so long ago, they forgot, they have their nostalgia, and it's like, oh, does this hold up? So that's mm. where we're at. So in regards to the Goonies... I had not seen it for, for many, many years. And some people are like, they love Goonies to death. And there's other people like, oh, I hate it. And, you know, it's over. Yeah. It's over. That's, it's over. And that's, so. and that's John, our, our third friend. He says, God, I hate that movie. Um, <laughs> and, but, but we, and he, he, John did the podcast with us many, many times several years ago, but we can't get him back on. It would have been awesome. To, to, for him to really tell us why, but who knows? Who knows? It'll 15 be minutes of him just saying it's horrible. Yeah, right. <laughs> it stinks. And a lot of it, yeah. it stinks. Yeah. So, Caitlin, uh, what is your background with Goonies and, and rewatching again? What um, did that do for you? I actually think it was the same uncle that got me into Star Wars, showed me Goonies. Uh, so I, like, I've seen all those like really fun, like Goonies, Indiana Jones, all that stuff. I love. 
I really love Goonies I because of the adventurous aspect of like kids basically getting to play Explorer. But mm-hmm. when you watch it, there's a lot of it that's not great. Like- <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I said, the premise from up top is like, that's not, that, that, that doesn't happen. That makes no sense. Um, like the stuff that's like some of the boys do stuff where you're like, I don't know that they'd be able to do that today in movies. And then you have like, oh, they just happen upon a group of, I guess, counterfeiters. Right. One of them sort of escaped from jail and that was really glossed over there. Like the cops chased <laughs> them and I guess didn't catch them, but there wasn't like. They're like, oh, well. Police- they- yeah. They, they just know, kind of. You, you, win you some crossed over the county line. You've, you've yeah, passed right. our jurisdiction. They got to get them in Skug County now. We're out of luck. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and if you, I mean, when you talk about things that may not work, I mean, I think about like, you know, the character of Data. I think about the, the, the maid. I also think of Sloth. Chunk. And the fact is, you know, a chunk and making fun of, you know, someone overweight. Um, you know, there's some things that just probably shouldn't be brought forward. In a yeah, way, because it does feel it, it, a little. It, it, it yeah. is kind of a smorgasbord of offensive stereotypes in this film. There's no doubt. Yeah. But stuff that for the 80s that we were just like, I mean, oh my God, it was like, you know, Webster was a sitcom about a, a, a dwarf who's black. You know, it's a whole concept of a show or small wonder about a slave child robot. I mean, that was the 80s. Oh, right? You took it far, Charlie. I didn't really <laughs> go that route. <laughs> <laughs> and then sometimes I just start we're, talking and it's where it takes We need me. to have an investigative podcast on Small Wonder. Yeah. You know? Yes, make it happen. So um, so my background with the movie, like I said, I saw it as a kid, absolutely loved it as a kid, and had just – I've gotten to this point where I'm like, I don't know if I want to ruin my memories with the reality of yeah. is it as good as I remember or is it like, oh, now that I'm, now I'm thinking of, wow – I've lost that cool memory. So sometimes I don't like, so, but I was putting Ikea furniture together once again, as I was watching this, cause I'm like, I don't have to pay attention to every little detail. Um, but you know, I didn't think it was that bad, uh, excluding everything else. So there were leaps of faith, of course, the, the, you know, some of the teen drama was a little much. The fact that, you know, the boy kissing the girl and it's like, is that appropriate? I don't know. You that know, was the, hilarious or, to me. yeah, Exactly. You're like, okay, that's, that's kind of fun. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I thought um, it, it holds up. I thought it held up from a practical perspective, although the water slide was kind of like, yep, looks like a water slide that they just filmed them in. Um, <laughs> right. the, 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 the traps and the, the, the story, how to get there. That was a lot of fun still. Um, and uh, you know, how it all wrapped up. Well, you know, everybody, I imagined, if it had been done today, you know, it would have been like high five in the middle, like, yeah, we did it. Freeze. Like at the end of Rocky three. Yeah. And I don't know how they actually paid off like the company. Cause it was like, are they applying all of the jewels that they found to like their mortgages? Also like, they just sort of let the pirate ship sail away. Oh yeah. Seems weird. That that was so funny. Cause April and I were watching. No, I was watching this by myself cause April was out doing something and I was Looking down, and I think she got home like, that's okay, babe. I got to watch the last few minutes. And I unpause it. Two more seconds go by, and it's just the pirate ship, and the credits start rolling. And I'm like, what happens to the damn pirate ship then? Right? Well, it, goes out to, it goes out to sea, and then an F-14 straight comes in, and, and they just they, they missile it and blow it to bits. What happens? Or the mortgage know? company gets a ship and says, I don't care. You can have all your jewels. We've got more money. We're buying yeah. your <laughs> Well, now yeah, we're going to buy the entire town and turn it into a shopping mall. Oh, that's sorry. That's the plot line of breaking. Well, the other piece uh, of it is, would they, would they actually be able to keep the jewels? Because technically speaking, it's a historic find. So right. wouldn't they actually go yeah. to the museum? Yeah. Well, right. like, oh, you yeah. guys are tearing this apart. The logic is getting torn apart. The logic doesn't really work for the movie, but I think that's okay. Because yeah. for me, I'm, the reason it's fun is it's, the like it's this idea of when you're a kid you're like we found a pirate map we're gonna go on an adventure and they actually do it instead of just right. like right around your neighborhood so right, I, for exactly. me it'll always work on that level the logic of it doesn't really work there's some stuff in it where you're like that's cringy that's- well, you, the whole concept is, yeah, oh, well, a country club is coming in and buying up the mortgages of all the, the goondocks or the area they live in. Um, but fortunately, 
we have an attic that's filled with old stuff and it happens to be one of them is a treasure map. And one thing I remember, April and I must have watched this together because I said, the whole thing with the maid, because the mom comes home and the, the actress who plays the maid is somebody who's in everything in the 80s. She passed away recently. I'm drawing a blank on her name. Gail, she was Gail Weathers. The mom or the school. maid? The mom, the mom. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But she comes in, she says, well, this is Rosita. She's going to be helping out uh, while my arm feels better. But in the scene earlier, they said, well, we're out of here after this weekend. So I said, April I said, is her broken arm going to heal in the next 24 hours? And then she can pack. It just, it made no sense. But again, it was just a bit where they could come in and, you know, expose them, you know, have a bunch of wackiness with the maid. So there, there is really no part of the logic of any of this that holds up to adults like ourselves, but in 1985 or 86, when Todd and I saw it, and then later on, obviously for you, I'm guessing you're younger than us because everybody is younger than us. But we watched this right around the same time it came out that we were like, yes, with our limited understanding of the adult world, this totally works. I love it. And wouldn't it be great if we had a great gang of friends and we could go on an adventure and it could actually be, it actually will look like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which came out the year before, right. um, but without the heart ripping out and all the violence and stuff, you know, it's just pl- pushing the keys on the piano, the harp score thingy, then making the floor move and all that. Yeah. But yes, if you, you, if this movie was just the middle part with all the fun kid stuff and it feels like a ride at Universal Studios, sure. But you're right, the end of it where we just saved the day with these jewels that don't belong to us or, you know, there's a country, there's a consortium buying our neighborhood. Just throw it out. Just stick with the middle. It could be a video game. Tyler could be a video. It has the logic of a video game movie. Think about it. Yeah, it's it's that like convenient, like everybody, your sitcom wraps up and, you know, we don't care right. about the details or if it actually happens. Yeah. Um, I love this movie so much. I read the novelization when I was a kid. Don't know why. That was I like guess me I had to find with, out the uh, finer details. Yeah, it was me. I read the novelization of Back to the Future, same thing. It was written by Bob Gale, the guy who wrote the movie. So, yeah. Had, Those were so popular back in the, the 80s, yeah, because kids had so yeah. little entertainment. Like, okay, well, I need something to read because, you know, I'm not going right, to get a like, movie I can go and see. Like the novelization of the original Star Wars film, which was which was written by George Lucas, I think, or Star Trek The Motion Picture. Gene Roddenberry wrote that one. So it's just, you're right. I got to get the finer details because I can't watch the movie again. So I got to relive it in my head by reading the novel. Yeah. Um, one thing I didn't want to count out, call out is at the end, Chunk says to Sloth, you're living with me. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Never asks his parents. No input on that. Just OK. I'm going to take in this physically, mentally disabled adult. To who's live been in tortured by his family. Yeah. Right. And while his family goes to jail, but apparently he's not going to go. So there's a, there's a lot of, just like with the pirate ship sailing with, there's a lot of legal and ethical and financial quagmire that totally surrounds the end of this film that nobody cares about because it is really, it really is an 80s sitcom in film form. Yeah. Because, I yeah, think what we needed to have is like a follow-up, like spinoff of Chunk and Sloth. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to find the pirate ship, which got away on its own, going, you know, three quarters. No, he's, getting sloth, he's, getting, he's getting sloth ready for, like, job interviews. Oh, gotcha. So it's like in, like in Step Brothers. Also, <laughs> how did Chunk and Sloth, like, sneak up on everyone? Because they were all out on the ship. Wouldn't they have noticed two people coming in through the slide? And then I climbing did. up on the pirate ship? It wasn't it's in a, the script. Why did we do it? Because the writers <laughs> wrote it. it. It it happened off screen. OC. <clears throat> yes. Oh boy. This is a movie so, that's great if you don't think about it. Right, which is, you know, yes. a lot a, a lot of the Star Wars films are the same. Don't give it don't pick it apart. It's going to be a problem. Well, yeah, the call, first it, it's a goonie. The original Indiana Jones too is like if you don't think about it, it works. If you think about it, he didn't actually need to be in the movie. Right, exactly. He could have been. He Everything been went according to plan, and the plan yeah, was bad. He could have been hanging out at a resort in Hawaii, which is where they filmed it. <laughs> he like I remember, I remember when a friend pointed that to me. I was like, "No," and thought about it. I'm like, I hate that you've done this to me because now I know that forever. Why? It would have just been a shorter. Something? It would just have been a shorter series of events. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Oh my goodness. So, oh, so wow. fi- yeah. Final, final analysis. Does it hold up? Sort of. I think so. I think so in a way of like, it still looks pretty good. Yeah. 
as being fun, yes. As a story, did it ever. Probably never. <laughs> Bingo. I'm 100% with you on that one, Caitlin. <laughs> but there's movies today that don't like have their, their story sucks. That's it's totally like, hey, fair. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, Bullet Train's a great example. You asked me, how's the action? It was terrific. The rest of it that gets a that gets a full <laughs> it's a bullet train. It was a bullet and at the end of it, sorry, spoiler, the bullet train does crash through and go rolling down a hill. So So it's no longer a bullet train? It's so the train bull- doesn't hold up either. Oh, oh I love it. Points. Points for the pun. Points. Uh, Yes. So that is it for the podcast. Let us know if you thought Goonies held up or didn't, folks. But until next episode, Caitlin, tell everyone where they can find you around the interwebs. Uh, Well, you can find my articles on theilluminerity.com and my interviews on theilluminerity.com and our Illuminerity YouTube channel. You can also find me on Twitter at Caitlin underscore Tyrell. And you can find me on Instagram at Caitlin underscore Tyrell underscore. And you you didn't correct me on how to pronounce your name, so I apologize. No worries. Todd, you're the worst. Oh, my God. Well, you can find me. I, uh, I don't know French, and I don't know how to pronounce the name. So there you go. <laughs> he does know how to talk over me, though. But now I'm talking over him. You can find me over on Twitter, at the C3. Spell it out. Uh, my lovely wife in April and I also run the West Michigan chapter of the International Star Trek Fan Club, the USS Grand Petoskey. Find us online at that website and at all socials. I also do the best that I can to populate our Secret Friends Unite uh, Facebook pages with content uh, as best I can. Sometimes I succeed, sometimes I don't, but I always try. Todd, what about you? You can follow me at T Oxtra for all of my whimsy and musings. Uh, always just trying to find, like, uh, once again, folks, you never know who you're going to meet. I put out a DM to Kaylin and said, hey, we'd love to have you in the show. And that's the magic of Twitter. It all works. You can grow your audience. You can grow your connections. So this was that was a great part of it. And, and I'm glad that Caitlin came on the show. Once again, Caitlin, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. You bet. All right, friends, as always, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trucking. Be the hero, not the villain. In the truck. Hey, you guys. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server, or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.